1: The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.
0: I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here.
2: Both players have, have spoken with each other and they forget what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're, both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these
0: fellas will get such a <laughs> shit shop next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their that's just the
1: f- you. So unfortunately, it's congratulations to Westmead, uh, Conan here on the Monday morning. They won the, they won the game. Poor enough game to be honest, which are hard to watch at times. I thought um, Leash kind of better team in the first half and went in trailing, which was a bit of a surprise. And then it was the big talking point it was the goal, the turnover from Graham Brody. I put four in it, and I think Le- Westmead then tagged on a point or two, and that was no way back. Leash just ended up trying to lump ball forward like agricultural style it was like mm. ah lads you know <laughs> it was they were, leash were just a huge huge disappointment um, to me on the day like I mean they had no clear obvious tactic up front um, and then the kind of good diagonal balls we w- kind of w- we're used to from seeing from leash into the full forward line, we're non existent, and it was just long direct ball then out of desperation at the end. Yeah. And it was almost like Westmead won a game without even being impressive themselves.
0: Yeah, those balls reminded me of um, Keane Ward's best analysis. Now it's hard to pick from his best analysis, but he talked about the difference of playing a crew park. And he said the ball always comes way earlier than it normally would on a normal pitch, and it comes faster and harder and from all sorts of different trajectories then because of that. Like, and that's that's what was happening they weren't in their usual positions when they would just pop these lovely little bounce passes into the full forward it was just
1: blasted down towards them yeah well now Westmead had James Dolan as a sweeper all day which I was surprised at his role because he's such a good attack and wing back but he played a pretty conservative sweeping role but it's like the one thing diagonal balls are hard to defend balls straight down the middle of the field are not hard to defend they're just a simple break you're standing behind a man You can even put your bloody hand on his back. He can't move; it's just coming down top of his head, so there's no real movement. And then you're tapping it down to an extra man. (laughs) Yeah, like you can't give balls straight down the pitch. Like Mm. I mean, you can't. Defenders are in position, ready to just tap it down. Yeah, you have to give it diagonally where they're scrambling. And when you're backing away, you can't get up off the ground. And all that analysis of why diagonal balls really work. And I don't know. Maybe Leash got spooked by the game in Westmead. We were talking with Westmead having played defensively and didn't want to kick ball away but they definitely didn't leash just very 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 disappointing you'd have to say very disappointing Graham Brodie obviously gave up the goal and I think too much has been made of this because when he gave it away there was a leash defender on the goals right so if a defender had given a turnover there you wouldn't be talking too much about the turnover. Mm. You know, it's because Graham Brodie, I think, in a way, it's a weird one. Everybody wants Graham Brodie to give the ball away. I think a lot of people <laughs> don't like this whipper, snapper, goalkeeper yeah. coming out. So it's like all the headlines have been about Graham Brodie. And John Sukru was saying, I'm in this job 18 months. Graham has come out north of 100 times. I think we can see the one in Leitrim last year, again, an execution issue. That's the second one today. So of the 100 patterns of play that he's been involved in, two goals is probably not a big return for the opposition. And that's fair enough. I would give Westmead a huge amount of credit for scoring that goal. A goal wasn't on when Brodie gave that. There was enough defenders back. A defender went on the line and this isn't like a soccer defender going on the line. GA, Gaelic football defenders can yeah. use their hands the same as yeah. the goalkeeper. I would give Westmead credit. There was an incredible urgency from Westmead when they saw him out of the goals. So they actually moved the ball faster than they had all day. And it just showed that when they did that, they caused leash trouble. And it was a brilliant finish from Gerry Egan. Yeah, the, the only thing is that it caused a bit of panic in the leash backline. line. So like Mark Timmons, I think, was
0: on Heston. But then he let him go because he saw Kieran Martin, I think, coming in. And it was because he had no keeper, he just started thinking, we need to all retreat here. But the crowd was panicking too. Yeah. There
1: was a huge excitement went through the crowd. And it was a very dull atmosphere because it was a dull enough game. Mm. Like I mean, it looked like a bit of a challenge match. But when de- when Brody loses it, suddenly the whole <laughs> thing comes alive. And maybe there was a bit of panic because Leach weren't badly caught out of position. I didn't think. But
0: part of me, I, I, I do feel a bit of sympathy for Brody, and like Sugar's right there. And also, it's it's way more than a hundred. He does it like ten times a game for eighteen months. Yeah. Like, you know are you talking about. I, th- <laughs> I
1: think they criminally underuse him. Some like there was one occasion in the second half where Brody was down on the twenty-one meter line on the Cusick stand yeah, side, and he was and waving he was completely like, yeah. free. Like, when he goes like that give it to him or else sure it's just madness what's the point yeah. of him being there then
0: this is exactly it. and actually I would sort of look at Benny Carroll your Port Leach man like his involvement in that don't think Benny saw him did he or did but he no, tell him he, he gives the hand pass initially and It wasn't on. So they do underuse him when he's free, but when he's there, boys seem to have this idea like, I'll just throw it to him. Like, there's the keeper, he's out. And, like, you know, um, the key, like, Graham Brody was going straight towards two West Meekmen. His momentum was taking him directly into them. Then he ends up getting tackled. And, you know, whereas, like, Carroll popped that off and they were in the exact same position. Rather than waiting for Brody to go on up on the overlap and then pop it to him when he's free, he just gave it to him because he saw him. And then Brody was under pressure. He kicked a bad pass. I think he could have actually played it on down the wing to Carroll in the end, but it was a bad pass
1: sometimes he goes stupidly because we obviously know the goalkeeper coming into a move is going to create that overlap if everyone's paired off one on one but a lot of time Graham goes he's not everyone isn't paired off one on one so they're spare leash defenders anyway so yeah. it's not like he's doing a huge amount by coming out there like you can understand the analysis of obviously if every man is a man the goalie's spare he can cause havoc on an yeah. overlap but it's not always those situations He decides to go No And there's yeah. a couple
0: of times Where he picks it And he's sort of just in front Of two leash boys behind him Who are free Who could have gone themselves yeah, anyways And like so one of or two of those guys Need to just be going beyond And making those aggressive runs So you are causing Panic in the opposition defence yeah. And you know, he doesn't need to be Played the ball thing But he can
1: be used as a spare man yeah. He is in fairness to him He's brilliant at breaking lines oh, He like, is. I mean, like, He's yeah. outstanding at getting through And he very rarely gives it away But when he goes like that You should re- like, And he's completely free you know, use him. Give it to him. I under. I take your point of just popping it to him for the sake of it. Mm. But, like, I mean, I don't know. I just... Uh, d- he should just keep doing what he's doing. And, like, I mean, maybe go maybe one or two times less, but make sure he's getting on it. that t- You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're going too many times maybe, you know, it, it becomes a little bit pointless. Just the rest of the
0: team need to think, like, you know, he's there, I don't just give him the ball and that's my job done. They just need to think he's there and now we've got a potential of overlapping somebody or is there two of us now free to go at one me, man? Like, the rest of the team, I think, need to need to start using them better because like yeah. he is, is,
1: is worth the sort of value when he does come out yeah no I completely agree what really disappointed me up front was Leash's movement in the full forward line and in the first half they never they didn't give in any, any good diagonal balls now Westmead were getting a good few body, bodies back not all inside their 45 but back into their own half you know what I mean they weren't making it too easy on, very yeah. easy on Leash. but I see Leash getting towards the 45 in good kicking range and you see the three fellas on the full forward line Evan O'Carroll Paul Catalan and Donny Kingston inexplicably all running out towards the ball looking for a pass so then the pass doesn't come and it's hand passed off and suddenly all three find themselves out around the 45 and then you look up someone else is on the ball and he looks up and there's left nobody left inside there and like I mean because I've, I've, I've talked to people involved with Leash and they do work on movement up front but surely one of the most basic Obvious things in a full forward line is not all to make the same run. Yeah. And they're, they're all running out towards the ball. It was like looking at under 14s. So that was really disappointing. Either just the, it was a complete brain freeze from the leash forwards, or how there's no communication amongst the three of them that at all times, Doney or Evan on the edge of the square at all times one of the two of them are there you know and that takes a little bit of communication and a little bit of talking amongst each other and then obviously in the second half when they were just lumping it in sure they're just standing there you don't need movement for lumped ball Mm. you know so ah, I don't know unless there was shadow boxing I don't think there was shadow boxing from a Leash point of view I would love to say there was but it was a final in Croke Park and I know Leash wanted to win it so I'd be very surprised if they were if they were looking seven weeks ahead, saying we won't try what we w- you know what we will. I don't think that was the yeah. case. I think it, it was just a really really disappointing flat uh, performance by Leash.
0: Like even if they were shadow box, I don't think Evan Ricardo wants balls where he got a man up his arse and he's just fighting for this high ball that's coming yeah. down. On he top was very poor. He now. was now he like, was terrible, he and he's p-
1: nearly a one trick pony trying to take his man on the whole time. Like play your way into the game. Like that's yeah, just obvious what he's trying to do all the time.
0: And he frees, like, you know, that like so that's that's one I think consolation for Leash He's probably not going to have as bad a game no, for the rest of the year. His frees were terrible too. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: like well, at least they
0: they made their attacking zone smaller by doing that. So the three full forwards all came out. They're not going to score from fifth yards out, so we had all this bunch of players between the twenty-one and the forty-five, and it made it much easier for Me to defend. Yeah. And you have to say it was good defending; they had a lot of bodies back, and they were getting side to side and keeping them out. But like, it was made far far easier because at least we're all points in this area. And then the most frustrating thing, like, it was actually going on for over a minute sometimes, at least keeping the ball and trying to get it into his own. Yeah. And then somebody would just have a a wild shot after all this patience and like, yeah. just no composure. I think. um who uh, Garth Dillon hit
1: one like you know the through sort of defender? oh Flynn hit two? I think Dillon hit two in that first half. Yeah. Big ones. Now he plays wing forward for leash, He can he can shoot. Flynn hit three wides he probably had a disappointing game now in fairness, he's only in the leaving so yeah wouldn't, and they put Kevin Martin out in him which probably was a smart move on their part, point of view because Kevin Martin is in the relation of a wing forward but maybe he was in, you know, they saw that there's a young lad yeah. there and decided to you put, get on, one a lot of ball put a on a lot of ball but he, Kevin Martin's weird he just trots around like he's <laughs> not even trying this fella, <laughs> like honestly I was couldn't, couldn't believe it, like he just walks around disinterested and then he might come alive a little bit but he. I think the way the game is gone, you can actually just trot around and you'll always get on a few hand passes. Yeah. And then if you've got a bit of quality, which he has a lot of quality, he's actually able to do things. And it's like he, he earned no real ball that he got.
0: Yeah, no, I do like, it's him, weird. I
1: like him full forward more because he, he's able to burst into life yeah. whenever he has to. Like I you know. don't think he's... I think the only place you can play him now is in the full forward line. I don't think he... I, I, in fact, for seven weeks' time, if he was a wing forward and um, Leach weren't making the most of his lack of work yeah. rate I would be very very disappointed and young Flynn in fairness wouldn't be the fella to exploit that you know you'd be putting Begley wing back yeah. and telling Begley to bomb forward on every bloody you know every occasion but just good to maybe just on Evan O'Carroll maybe his the lack of ball he was getting and I used to be like this sometimes and it never works out when you're being starved of ball you find you have to do something with this yeah. next ball and like I've been guilty of taking lads on when the obvious thing is not to do that you you know you don't have a yard of pace on him you're not in space you're taking him on from a standing position but it's only because I've done nothing for 15 minutes it's in Croke Park and maybe it, you know I would blame the system of not getting good regular quality ball into those lads rather than necessarily because uh, uh, O'Carroll in fairness to him has had a very good league
0: yeah and you don't know when the next ball is coming in
1: so you're That's trying okay. to make the most of the one of those yeah, and you overdo way. it you know you overdo it and you like I mean you try to do too much with it and when you start doing that it never works it, it's just <laughs> you're desperate and Le- there was a lot of desperation I think even at the end then with Leash Hope and now one or two came off those long balls like I mean it does p- create panic but I think it was Leash were the panicked ones rather than Westmead you know when you're just lumping it in you ain't coming back you're not coming back they got a 45 off one I think they might have got a mark off another one or something but like I mean it just they weren't good balls but it's interesting Jack Cooney He's the first Westmead manager. We're going to talk to Jack Cooney in part two, actually, I'll have to say, although people seeing the title <laughs> of this podcast will know that. Um, he's the first Westmead manager in 26 years. Now, there's obviously a debate whether Luke Dempsey was a Westmead man or not. Um, West, he was over all the Westmead underage teams and the seniors. But anyways, they have a very long history of outside managers. So Jack obviously is an ex-Westmead uh, player, and then he was with Paddy O'Shea in 2004, I think he was with Luke Dempsey um, previous to that and like he's doing really well with the county and like it is interesting that only John O'Mahony has ever won an All-Ireland as an outside manager like outside managers are an absolute fad um, no, no, maybe not a fad it's happening so often like I, you see John Sucru is an outside manager for Leash but he live, he's lived in Leash for the last you know many years and has a business in Leash so he's almost like an honorary Leash man generally if you're an outside manager going to another county you're getting paid do you know what I mean? And that's the kind of fad that kind of started. Maybe Micko going to Kildare started the whole thing off in, in 1997. Can't think of too many examples. But not a huge amount of examples of ex- of success. Malachi O'Rourke is an exception. John Mohan won. Micko and Pardy obviously won Leinsters in Leash. Um, you'd say Kevin McStay, although he's in Roscommon a long, long time as well. Um, Not a huge record Even though it's a complete and There's uh, Countless examples of it They ain't winning all Ireland's And they're winning Minimal enough Provincial championships Yeah Is Mick O'Dwyer the only one That you had As a leash? Oh no Well Tom Cribbin was born in leash um, So would have Just a mackerel Liam Cairns Liam Cairns We went through a good phase Of it as well There is obviously that thing That they come in with no baggage So they'll look uh, You know objectively On all the players There's no inter-club nonsense And that's true to a certain point But Mick O'Dwyer Had selectors who were pulling lads in from their own clubs and who were getting lads on the team from their own (laughs) (laughs) base. So, like, I mean, are outside managers even fixing that if they're taking in selectors from each because there's politics to be played on managerial teams? Well, I'll give you him if you give you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, this, it, it might not be said like that, but if your son's on the squad, well, I'm getting someone from my club.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, that kind of. uh, the, the spectrum though from good to bad teams now as well so big like so many layers of, uh, Like you go all the way down and I'd worry about outside managers like they're probably only coming in for two years three
1: years just to try and further their CV and then move, move on so yeah. they're not really invested I but I'm a big believer in that I'm a big believer that an outside manager could come in for example and he could start to tell the players to start sledging He could tell the players to start, uh, you know, getting up to dark arts because he doesn't care about the reputation of the county. Like, he could leave after two years with everyone saying, God, aren't they an awful shower? And he doesn't care about the county. Mm. He cares about what he can get from the county. Short-term success. Short-term, both financially and both for his CV, you know, to eventually maybe get his own county or maybe go get a bigger money job somewhere else. So you have to wonder about the motivation of some, obviously not all, but, like, I mean, you might wonder about the motivation of some of them or whether they're in it for the long haul, number one, or number two, have the best interest. For example, the club. I don't want any club championship on in this county while we're doing yeah. it. And This has been done. So does he have any duty of care to the club players even mm. in the county? Now, having said that, the likes of Jim McGuinness would have done that in his own yeah. county. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean, I would always try to go for somebody from your own county. Um you always think that somebody from another county is better than what you have in your county and if you were to talk to some of their club mates I'm sure they'd be like well jeez this lad isn't great yeah like we had uh, you just get some managers or fellas that you think are highly rated and they might give you a session or something like that and it's like Jesus this is what it's all about like, yeah. yeah you're kind of let down a little bit by what because you always for some reason you always think other counties are doing it better than your county and you think other managers are better than your manager Amid that's just me, or would, would you think like that as well? Like, I mean, I don't I, always in my head, other people were doing it better than we were. No, you definitely can. Like, you
0: that example you gave is, is bang on. I remember we got a club manager before, and I thought, Brilliant, like this guy must know his stuff. He's got a lot of um from a different county and had a lot of sort of underage sort of experience with the county team. And then talking to boys in the club, like, boy's a clown, like you know, <laughs> we wouldn't have him near our team, like you know, yeah. and then you start thinking, Jesus, but you do get excited by an outside manager, and that's not to paint them all with the same brush, but like. Yeah, and and Derry it's always like that that seems to be the fix everybody wants, an outside manager to come in, but they just wouldn't know the county as well. They wouldn't know all the players. Would they know any intermediate players? No, they know, no, they wouldn't know that. They have no. to be so well versed in everything that's going on in the county and and care about it I think to really be successful. And sure obviously the stats that you're telling me it works
1: if you have an inside manager yeah, they're just stats off the top of my head now so we won't <laughs> be very scientific um, so come here two All-Ireland finalists St Thomas' is in, we're going to throw a little bit of hurling in here Conan because it is uh, supposed to be a combined show today which <sighs> we'll have for the rest of April but Ballyhill Shamrocks All-Ireland club champions were beaten uh, by Clara at the weekend and St Thomas' All-Ireland club finalists hammered by Ballyhill were beaten by Lee Mellows and I was just thinking it's three weeks after they both won and yeah. lost an All-Ireland club final like if that isn't something I think their county boards have done them a complete disservice and you should be proud of your club champions or your all Ireland finalists and even give them a week's grace or give them another week I don't know mentally how these teams Ballyhale, deservedly would have celebrated their win to be back on the road three weeks later and both of them losing and Dr Croak's just scraped over the line against uh, Legion that would be a local derby it was won 14 to 16 so they were back in they did very well after their humiliation by Corfin to come back and win a local derby um, down in Kerry but there's club championship on all over the place really 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 highlights the ridiculous structure of the club all Ireland finals which I think there's enough of an appetite out there to move them back from where they are because how you could come back to round one of a, of a no. club championship I always wonder how to even come back to to league. Never mind get up for championship and
0: like you know, like, like Liam was waiting on you in the first round. Like that the, was the county final last yeah. year and twenty seventeen champions. Like and they, they've been preparing for this game since November. Do you know ready? Like knowing that they're playing St Thomas's. Like yeah. so you just can't be at the pitch of it when you've recovered from a a Crow Park loss and obviously like you know St Thomas have a few injuries as well. But yeah, I, 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 but I don't know what to do because otherwise like we'd be complaining if those games didn't go ahead I mean, what, what about April for clubs or what about the per club player who's waiting around for championship
1: yeah. I think they should like you know my thoughts on it that April's ridiculous for championship it yeah. should be just all league games in April have your county players there and get them back you know reintroduce them into the club and have them there but playing championship this early in the year I think it's it's madness there's been a few injuries Darren Hughes got injured at the weekend um, and Conor Cooney obviously that was on the television we saw him both of them when, uh, got ankle injuries so they're going to be touch and go to see whether they can get back there's some more injuries Colum Galvin and John Conlon they played for their clubs at the weekend Good news for Claire and Paddy McBrearty, and uh, the big one at the weekend. He started for kilcar was it? Did he yeah, start? He started full forward. For got Klikar. a got a point and a mark and a forty-five or something. Did he?
0: He got four points. He got two frees, one forty-five, and one from play. Very and good. He won by five.
1: Apparently, Michael so There's was no marks in the club sure. that's, no. that's just has tri- gone, buddy, It's that's gone. Tri- <laughs> it's got, it's like actually, there's no marks now. Yeah, that's oh it yeah. until next year. Yeah, that's very disappointing. Anyway, don't get me <laughs> started on that but uh, that's obviously the big uh, it was Bally Bay Scotstown uh, played that's the big risk and obviously worry for intercounty managers is their f- their lads that go back to the club get injured um, they don't you know like I mean for example say you get an injury in your ankle and you get it strapped up and play the intercounty physio might tell you not to play but the local club diehard is going to say we'll strap her up there. And we'll <laughs> <laughs> You'll be grand. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But like that's a worry for managers because they can't manage these lads. They can't manage their injuries. They can now maybe they're coming and going from intercounty. But some some of them are actually leaving them go for three weeks. I find that bizarre. Mm. You have to be able to see where these lads are at I know. physically. And keep them right and keep them going. But, like, I mean, if you're giving them back t- for three weeks, back to a physio whose, mo- whose mantra is, let's strap this baby <laughs> yeah. up, I don't know. Like, obviously, those two injuries are, are genuine. But you get my point. Like, yeah. I mean, you just don't have that same level of expertise. Oh,
0: Back to the physio, who's also the assistant manager, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> who, who you know, doesn't really care all other than the results. But, um... Yeah, and like some of these are league games as well, you know, so it's, I don't know, I can see sort of managers starting to tighten up a bit more on this county managers going forward.
1: Yeah, so Conor Cooney is a huge loss to Galway, not only because he's an excellent player, because Joe Canning's out, and we have Johnny Glynn in America, and we have uh, Joe uh, Joe Cooney. He is in Australia, so arguably Galway could be down four of their all, win- all Ireland winning starting forward line for the first round of the championship and like they're favorites for the All Ireland I can't see how they're favorites for the All Ireland given their their injury list um, seven Finn players have been asked into the Galloway football squad. I saw this in The Independent. Um, no Martin Farraher, which I'm absolutely amazed about. Martin Farraher was doing some media before the All Ireland Club final and he was like, I'd love to get back in with Galloway at some stage, And which makes me think Martin Farraher was available for selection. He's been outstanding in All Ireland finals. I don't know what more you need to do to get called onto a onto a squad. So his brother Michael is called in, Dylan Wall, Jason Leonard, and then Keir Malloy, Ian Burke, Liam Silk am I missing anybody there oh Bernard Power he's in in yeah. in the goals so like I mean I don't know Martin Farraher, if you want to get a run down with Leash we'll more than like <laughs> we'd be delighted if you've got any uh, family connections we'll give you a we'll give you a run yeah. if Kevin Walsh doesn't want to give you one
0: any grannies yeah like I'm surprised because like, even you know with Sean Armstrong having retired it just seemed like there's a spot
1: there similar for, style to Sean yeah. Armstrong too doesn't he kind of a small stocky well a stocky they're not small by any means but they're kind of a solid sto- like solid, yeah. Yeah. and really good like, very you accurate know. it just seemed like there was a space there for him to come in like I'm, I'm just looking through
0: you might be able to tell me if I'm missing any but if Ian Burke Comer Daly Barry McHugh and your man Oli, Like I thought Martin Varher would be worth Danny Cummins Danny Cummins there's an another like, there's six yeah, maybe so. he thinks he has enough yeah, yeah maybe he does not I still think Farher would have given uh, a good option as well but I don't know yeah. they're they're not short anyway
1: no so Rory O'Connor was doing media last week I didn't have time I didn't see this actually but he's talking about um, which is very very surprising for a young player to have a strong opinion like this he's talking about uh, pay for play not being far away so immediately I thought Geez, that's interesting that Rory would actually say something like that And he says, um, I'd say when I'm retiring, there'll be lads starting off and they'll be on a wage. That's the way I think it's going anyway. So immediately, interesting enough, good man Rory. I think it will. It can't go any further, the levels of professionalism. If it goes, if it goes any further, lads will nearly have to stop working. You'll be nearly catching up with college work at all hours of the night at the moment. I don't know how other lads are doing it. I know one lad on the team who's doing his chartered exams. He's working at the moment and studying at weekends. I don't know how he's doing it. So the reason I thought this was interesting is because it's all, it, it's it's easy for me to start whinging about the commitment that's there now because I came through an amateur kind of era where you would train Tuesday and Thursday and have a match at the weekend all enjoyable stuff no huge drain on your time just more playing for enjoyment than, and taking it seriously but not your whole life isn't dominated by it and then through the course of it as I finished up it was a huge time commitment and that was 2011 so I'd say it's even way further than what I would have experienced now but Rory would never wouldn't know any different so he's not coming from that amateur era he's only known this commitment you know what I mean so you don't often hear these young fellas complaining about this and I'm often wondering why don't they complain about it and then it's just because they obviously don't know any better. <laughs> yeah. But Rory is saying I don't see how a wage is going to change how it's going to change it. Like I mean I've constantly said this that everybody complains about professionalism in the context of money but nobody cares about professionalism in the context of the time the players are putting in. They, supporters actually demand that professionalism and the minute money's mentioned that that side of the professionalism yeah. absolutely not you know what I mean so it's, I thought it was good for him to point out point yeah. that out well the game
0: demands that professionalism as well and you know the next person's doing all that gym work and all that extra practice and all the shooting and whatever else and yeah, like, like a wage wouldn't help Like you get a couple hundred quid but then if you're off the panel next year, so what, what use is that? You still need to get your career and you still need to think beyond being 30
1: Yeah, uh, unless it's <laughs> some sort of thank you like you know, the, but this, the wage will turn people off, I've a- always said that at the end of the year, like the GPA grants, players should be getting a percentage of, of mm. the gate receipts, I think that would be a nice thank you for that 30 hours you've given for the enjoyment of the whole country during the summer yeah, no, and you've I w- sold out Crow Park you've filled it up you've given endless entertainment and enjoyment for everybody and here is enough to you to bring the family away on a holiday yeah. I would think that would be kind of the way it would go
0: and I actually I wouldn't disagree
1: with that I just it wouldn't um, solve the problem of the guy who's doing the chartered exams no and no, in the no the it, f- it fixes none of that but I there's no fix for that you can't, <laughs> you can't go backwards in time like the the, the, the level of of commitment that they're putting into it there's no there's no going back from that now unfortunately like that's it and I think players really I think players want that anyways I do think you're losing a certain type of player that can't give that and that's unfortunate so like I mean you could lose a really skillful player that might not that might be a little bit lazy for example what's you know it's, it's a pity that you would lose that you're setting the bar you're setting the bar so high that only people with an incredible capacity for commitment can reach that, and everybody else is just going to have to play club. So I think you're losing out on an awful lot of inter-county level players that just can't give up that much time. But
0: but even around say the early 90s or like late 90s when you just won the the minor all it's like
1: sureties were doing a bit more than the uh, the two training sessions. Like oh w- no, are
0: you being serious though? Like but no,
1: you wouldn't. Do I remember t- Tom Cribbin. When was that? 1999. He took Leash over and he did weights out in the heat. Now you go, you do a road run um it might be a five mile road run and then you come back to the heat um GA club and we'd be doing weights now it wasn't very scientific weights and we'd do that for maybe two months in the winter then they're done <laughs> Yeah. so it was a waste of complete waste of time and that was just sci- the science back then we didn't know any better you thought you were doing I remember doing weights with Jim McGuinness in Tralee in 1998 so he was doing weights again not maintaining them so they are a waste of time so yeah so when the league would start to, or would be on then you'd be back to your Tuesday and Thursday night and the match at the weekends and those weight sessions were incorporated into that physical road running session so you're still only on your Tuesday and yeah. Thursday night you know so it was like that and sure Mick Dwyer, right up until 2005 we were Tuesday Thursday right up until 2005 we did no strength and conditioning under him it only it only uh, kind of increased when Liam Cairns took over and then we're obviously doing the Tuesday Thursday and we were doing Monday and Wednesday in the gym as well and then it could be a meeting Saturday that kind of went in now Mikko would have meetings as well so you're going from Tuesday Thursday to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday you'd only have Friday off and then you'd be at something at the weekend so that's kind of where they're at now
0: yeah, the, the only example I have is Enda Gormley always says that the dairy team in 93 did a bit more than just a Tuesday, Thursday. They, they met up and did gym work and stuff like that because they wanted to sort of achieve. So even
1: back then, they were thinking, what more could we do that's more yeah. than the other person? I'm sure other pl- sure, there all that footage of Pat Spillane and all these lads out road running and poddy would do their own training. But that's up to an individual. Like yeah. when I was minor, I used to walk my dogs out the backfield and I'd bring a pair of Puma Kings and I'd run up and down a hill. Yeah, because I wanted to do that little bit extra. It's on your own time. I was it on was it my was. own time mm. when I when I fancied kind of doing it. But I'm sure loads of players do their little bit extra. Sure, hurlers would be down banging the ball up against the wall for bloody hours you know honing up their whatever they bloody do their <laughs> wrists <laughs> we is don't ch- know is cheddar coming under today <laughs> cheddar <laughs> what do you do when you're just banging the ball up against the wall there <laughs> yeah wrists kind of boring, hold, hold Holding the wrists their wrists, wrists. <laughs> we'll leave, we leave it at that alright another two here is Lee Chin was interviewed in The Independent again and he was talking about uh, losing form completely um, last year. And he ended up going down to Davies for a week. So it was like a little retreat. Davies should maybe advertise <laughs> this and bring. could start a business out of this. So he said, after the game, we had a phone call. He knew I was upset. So this was a game, uh, I think it was last year in the Leinster League against Galway when they lost. After the game, we had a phone call. He knew I was upset. It was affecting me. I told him I didn't feel I was contributing and I couldn't put my finger on what it was. He said, if you want to come down uh, to me for a couple of days, it was something I said yes to immediately because I felt this is what I need. I need to get out of this environment for a minute. We had good conversations. It was nice. So I think they played a bit of golf. He spent the week with Davy, and then the, he came back the week after and they played Kilkenny and Nolan Park and he played well. So it's worked out all right for him. But anyways, it, like Lee's talking about... Um, Last year, I was holding on to things that were going wrong, even in games, the smallest things. You could miss a ball, and I was letting it get to me too much because, as I mentioned, all I wanted to do was win, win, win. See, everybody talked at the start of last year, Lee Chin was going full-time professional. Now, that is such a mistake for... And this is obvious, that this fella, when you've nothing else, and... Kind of, you need a you need a job to go to distract your mind away from it. And if you hate your job, that doesn't exactly work either because you just spend uh-huh. the whole day daydreaming about something that you love. And I always found like I hated my jobs when I was when I was um, playing. And when you're really into it like that, your whole happiness in your life is linked to how the football is going. So you're playing bad, you're in an awful low you can't think of anything else because you've nothing really else to be... It is your life. You should have a life and then football should be something that you enjoy. But when, obviously, Lee took the the year off work, so he was really just invested emotionally way too much in it and everything was amplified. And I wouldn't recommend any player do that. I, even for the teachers during the summer, while there's a huge advantage in the recovery and everything, Jesus, it's, it's hard. You need, you need something to be distracting your mind. You need colleagues... That are teachers and meet up to do stuff because you know, like I mean, trying to play at that level and then have nothing really else to be taking your mind off it. You know, it becomes your life, and then obviously the mistakes and the bad games become amplified.
0: Yeah, he was talking about like uh, sort of, sort of being misrepresented and like that he was doing things last year. He, he sa- in the piece, he said he was uh, helping out in his parents' restaurant the whole time. And you know, but even that, like, that's not you know, that's not his passion, and that's not taking his mind off things, and yeah. that is still put around gym work and football, or sorry, hurling and whatever else. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's supposed to be a, a hobby. Now I know it's a very extreme hobby. That's especially at, a, at elite level. But um, like, it must be very hard because it is just dictating your mood. Like, if you're playing yeah. well, then you're in good form. If you're playing badly, you're in bad form. Yeah. And like, you can't have that much pressure on your hobby you know what I mean? It's supposed to be something that you get away from work then and
1: go out and enjoy it or whatever. Yeah, but when it's like that, it's like if he's thinking all week then about a game. I think that's what Stephen Hunt. Remember, he got this huge backlash with the piece he did, um, t- saying that it's it's uh, it's actually difficult to be sitting around all day as a professional athlete and that he's not sure GA players would be able for it and then you have the Dick Clerkins and all (laughs) jumping on this going oh and you know how sensitive everyone in the GA is to any criticism will our lads do it for free (laughs) but I took his point completely imagine the downtime they have in their day imagine being a single fella and after playing a game at the weekend and you're trained for two hours in the morning and then you're pretty much just trying to punch in time and watch DVDs and it's like a boring Sunday every day of the week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but some people call boring Sundays chilling and then suddenly chi- <laughs> that makes it not a boring, you know what I mean? Just chilling out. No, you're bored. <laughs> Nothing to do. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I, I do think there's an element of that side of that GA players will never be able to understand that, say, when professional soccer players who and are, who are rugby players who are professionals, how they can mentally switch off from their job and enjoy their their normal life like everybody else does to maybe the likes of a Johnny Sexton who maybe doesn't switch off enough at all yeah and like those boys like Stephen Hunt like they're, they're famous as well and really rich
0: and obviously I think in the Premier League it's sort of I don't know not to say it means more
1: but like they're expected to perform more yeah, because they're being a, paid yeah and a, a Nash a huge worldwide audience watching them now I think in the GA, mistakes can become even bigger and bad games because you don't have another one for three weeks. Whereas the like the high level soccer players might have two games per week so you can immediately mm. rectify you know I don't think you have as much time to stew on it or maybe or yeah
0: but they, they they can't like the point about them being famous and rich they can't uh, go into the community then and just spend a bit of time or go down to the club and put up the nets and you know yeah. hang out with the people who who reared you you're just expected to, to perform when you're called upon and yeah. if you don't
1: then you get sacked basically and yeah. you, you get a smaller contract or there's a lot of pressure on them there is yeah yeah exactly we must get Dion in here and talk to him <laughs> the next time about uh, about this Um, last one is the oh yeah the Hogan Cup so this was on before I know this one was on I was walking down to the match I didn't get in for this one and there there was St Michael's uh, uh, supporters bloody lunatic young fellas just with their bodies painted and not wearing any (laughs) t-shirts or anything like running around I was just thinking because when we were uh, minors uh, I was minor in 96 and then Leash made the the all and final in 97 and 98 and like I would have been a supporter 97-98 and we were in at the minor match and then out afterwards Leash win Windy All-Ireland no one gives a shit like Galway won the senior all Ireland like I'm looking around at these young Fermanagh basically acting like this is the world is all about their game today <laughs> thinking Jesus was that us running around back in 97 thinking we were all important yeah. and nobody cared on the grander scheme of things whether Leash won the minor oh well, here we are with a picture still up in the studio <laughs> <laughs> that's 96 that's different I'm talking about when I was an annoying supporter but this was it so Dom Corrigan is the same Michael's Um, college manager they have a sensational backroom team Conor Laverty um, and uh, Richie Donnelly (laughs) are on the (laughs) backroom incredible (laughs) incredible stuff but this just sums up Ulster football for me um, Conan so Dom Corrigan uh, was interviewed before the game and he says thankfully we have a good grounded group of lads and there's always um, and there's always more hype surrounding the McCrory Cup (laughs) final rather than the Hogan even though it's an all-around final for Ulster schools nothing's going to be as high profile as the McCrory Cup <laughs> final so there's not that type of hype or level of attention as there was for the OMA CBS match and in a way that's a good thing. <laughs> I had to read this three times to so there's more hype and more importance given to a McCrory Cup and Ulster final
0: than an all Ireland final. This is like the, the league the manager saying that the league final doesn't <laughs> matter they've already got promoted <laughs> we've already won the McCrory
1: We've won the McCrory Cup the all Ireland final Ah look sure we'll it's
0: go Game 8 <laughs> 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 To be honest like I when I worked in Derry in the County Derry Post like obviously St Pat's Mahara were the big school and they won the McCrory they actually won the Hogan one year I was there and I I remember the build up to the McCrory being bigger like we did a bigger spread and you were down in the school beforehand and we still did a I think for the Hogan, but I just, I don't remember it being a special. Yeah. It just seemed a bit more sort of palpable, the sort of atmosphere in there, maybe, because there's a lot of local rivalries. Yeah,
1: it's odd, well. Ulster football is based around rivalries, you know, (laughs) and like, I mean, if they're being indoctrined into the Ulster kind of thing (laughs) in schools level, like, I mean, what the hell chance have we got of ever getting rid of the Ulster (laughs) Championship, for example, the Provincial (laughs) Championship? None is the answer to that. But they they never, this was their first ever Hogan Cup uh, win and they've won loads of McCrory Cups so they only actually got the two fi- Hogan Cup finals and it got well beaten in both of them so it's almost like they didn't give a shit they didn't <laughs> care they didn't want to win we've won the McCrory we're done yeah. that's it we're Ulster champions yeah, what else do you need if you're <laughs> Ulster champions <laughs> <laughs> alright up next we'll talk to Jack Cooney
0: work as a policeman at Garda honor down, down the Store Street and I'm coming back out and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrol fans still up in the stand
2: as you come back out and they're roaring to me, hey Coffee, you free state bastard <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and, and, and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here <laughs>
1: Alright, so since taking over Westmead, Jack Cooney has won the O'Byrne Cup, won promotion to Division 2 and now has won the Division 3 league title. You couldn't have asked for a better start than that, Jack.
2: Yeah, yeah, delighted with the start. Uh, good time to retire. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, delighted with the start and, and uh, sets us up nicely now after the league and delighted with promotion. And uh, Didn't start out the year, to be honest, with any... Huge ambition of winning the Abernethy Cup. We just took every game as it came and and, and uh, just brought that form into the league. So we're delighted with with promotion and then then uh, win, winning the Division Three title there during the week.
1: Right, and so like I mean, when you started out the year and you say you're taking each game, like would would you would you not have done like goals for the whole year as a squad, or was that is that just an old-fashioned thing that I remember doing with teams I was on?
2: I, th- I think it takes many different forms. Uh, we, we try to have a, a consistent level of standards if we can, you know, and and bring that and build on that maybe on a on a weekly basis and so on, uh, rather than targeting any specific goals. You know right. what I mean. We yeah. try to have it consistent all the time.
1: Right right okay and like i mean it all, it all changed in a week because the week previous you weren't even sure if you were going up to division 2 then you came through a really sticky one in Drahada and and then only had a week to prepare for a final so like i mean when the when the the aim was maybe promotion being more important than the actual final was it difficult to maybe get them refocused then for the final
2: uh, not 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 really you know um there's no doubt we were very relieved to get the to get the draw and, and get the points we needed up in Drogheda. Uh and then it's just you just you just organise training for Tuesday and you just refocus then for the final on the on the following Saturday. So, well, we kind of made our minds up, you know, that we wanted to go after the game on Saturday and win it. Now that we got to the to the Division Three final, not to leave it behind us, and put in a good performance in Crow Park. So, the lads are very anxious to do that.
1: Right, it was a weird game, wasn't it? I was there, there was no real huge atmosphere and almost didn't have a final feel about it I don't know how you felt about it
2: Yeah, I, I think because the teams are so familiar with each other now over the last number of years plus we're playing each other again down the line in a few weeks in the Championship so, yeah, it was I'm not saying that there was a lot of shadow boxing, but probably did lack a little bit of uh, Championship atmosphere or intensity uh, and then as well, a, a, well, I'm not a small crowd, but a small crowd in terms of a, of a full uh, crow park probably left it a little bit eerie as well.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Well, the championships in Tullamore, probably where that league final should have been on. So Leash and Westmead always bring a decent crowd, crowd there, so I wouldn't say there'd be the same problem in a few weeks' time.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but while well, Port County's doing well now, you know, like Leash getting promoted back to back. Westmead getting up into Division 2 so the both teams are bringing a bit of momentum into that Championship game so I'd say there will be good interest from both counties
1: Yeah definitely the goal was the big turning point in the game it was nip and tuck until then and then when you got the goal you went four up and then got two more and it was hard to see any way back for Leash really after that then
2: Yeah that was our purple patch really in the second half And, and we weathered the storm from Leash at the start of the second half we expected them to come out and they had the numerical advantage, and they overturned the two-point lead and a uh, two-point deficit and went a point up. Um, and we were just happy not to concede too much more, and we we managed to get a point or two, I think, on the board after their initial start of the second half. And that just gave us a little bit of something to go after then for the remainder of the game. So, um, and again, we finished the game strong. We've been finishing games pretty strong over the course of the league, which is good and which is a very pleasing part of it.
1: Yeah, would you have prepared much for Brodie? People, a lot of people are talking about his turnover, but like, I mean, when he gave the ball away there, there was no goal on at that time. You know, he had a defender on the line, and maybe too much has been made out of this turnover. Like, it was just a brilliant goal that probably would have been a goal had Brodie been back
2: there. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, it's just, it's probably just because Graham got overturned, but it was still. I think that was about forty-five, fifty meters out from the goal. Yeah. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of yeah. There was a lot of work for Westmead to get the ball into the back of the net because the, by no means was was the was the goal as empty, uh, and Leash had loads of opportunity to defend it as well. But yeah. I agree with you; it was a very good opportunistic goal from our lads. You know, they saw that, uh, that there was space, the attack that Hart took the goal very well.
1: I think that's the thing, though, because if if a defender had had turned that ball over, you mightn't have moved it forward that fast. There was almost an element of panic about the, not panic, but urgency about the Westmead attack where it was moved really fast through the foot and they were almost thinking, goal must be on, Brody's out. Yeah,
2: yeah, probably. And, there was you know, there was probably a sense from the crowd as well. There was probably a little bit of, uh, anticipation from the crowd as well yeah, when he yeah. got turned over because um you know when when he comes out like that or any goalkeeper when they come out they do add a little bit of excitement to the crowd because the crowd almost want to see him to be turned over as well at the same time. You <laughs> they know, to do, so, do.
1: And would you would you have you talked know. much about his forays out of the out of the goal? Like he is so good on the ball it's not easy to turn him over.
2: Oh he's a, he's excellent. He's just, yeah and, and he's an excellent outfield player as well and very smart, very intelligent on the ball. Um but he, he brings an awful lot more When he's out the field, you know he brings an awful lot more than that one occasion where he got turned off, turned over against us. Now, so um, we we would have talked about it in terms of that he's picked up and that he's tracked, and uh, not that he can't be left free running down the pitch, because um, you know that we just communicate that through the field and that somebody takes responsibility for him. You know, so he can not get in behind us and, and, and be a huge threat.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did, did you played uh, James Dolan as a full time sweeper? Has that been his role all year? I haven't seen Westmead um, too much this year. Has that been his role all year? Or was it was just just for that that game. Obviously worried about O'Carroll and uh, Donny Kingston.
2: Yeah, no, we've 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 played him as a sweeper for a lot of games. There's obviously some ga- some teams that you play the likes of Carlo on down. Who who are more defensively set up, so you don't particularly need a sweeper because yeah. Um, yeah. you know you have so many men sitting back. But I uh, would uh, certainly like leash have such a good quality forward line, you know, and, and it's it's a, it's a it's a mark a sign of respect on the Leash forward line as you're putting in an extra defender in there to cut out the space and try and limit the quality of ball going into them. So it's worked well for us in certain games, uh, and it's it's Jimmy that that's that's. Normally playing that role
1: there. Yeah, and it does. Ma- it obviously makes sense against Leash because it number one in the first half it turned them away from giving in uh, direct ball to the two lads, and then in the second half they just started lumping in. A kind of, uh, it wasn't very scientific. It was just kind of straight ball, which was knocked down. You know, and the extra man's there to to sweep it up.
2: Yeah, with the two very like they had one well, the of three excellent players in the inside forward line but they have two very good fielders in Evan O'Carroll and Donny Kingston. so um, if you want to call it that route one ball or direct ball it does actually create a lot of problems for, for the for the defence and uh, I think Donny caught a couple of marks as well during the game and I think throughout the course of the league they've actually got good joy they've, they've got a lot of joy from direct ball into the forward line both from Evan and Donny. so yeah, it's something that's worked well for Leash.
1: Yeah, were you surprised they didn't use it that much until it was desperation stakes towards the end? I kind of was.
2: Um, yeah, you know, I'd probably it's, it's an interesting point that I, I always look at it because when a team reverts to that, as you say, it's probably desperation more than anything else. Uh, and you're in the dying minutes of a game. Probably the best time to start it is nearly at the start. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, when, when you're starting into the game and, and see what. What you can actually get off it, you know, maybe go back to your, um, to your Donaghy or Star Donaghy type ball that was going in there, you know, the type of ball that Kerry were delivering a number of years ago. But it is and it's, it's, it's effective. Uh, but generally now the way teams are coached is to deliver the ball into space to run and forwards and so on.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Or give it, give it in diagonally. That's why it was kind of the straight yeah. balls were easier for your lads to, to kind of defend against. So you're the first Westmead manager in 26 years. Like, I mean, I was surprised by that stat. I, see, I was kind of thinking Luke Dempsey was Westmead. He's not really. So te- like he lives in Westmead. So he was over all their underage teams. But it's 26 years. That's such a long time, uh, Jack. I know you went for a job a couple of times and didn't get it but you were a selector under Paddy O'Shea in 2004 I don't want to talk too much more about that year and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you thought I'm sure you thought you would have got the job you know being so young in 2004 and ready to take the next step up
2: uh, I, I agree with you there as regards Luke i consider Luke a Westmead man as well so um, it's, it's by default I guess you're saying it's it's whatever it is back in 92 was the last yeah. 92 was the last Westmead manager Um. I, I, you know, I, I got good advice off a friend a number of years ago. He said, make sure you get all the experience you can before you take take the job or take the top job, or whatever, because you can't go back for it. Um, and I thought it was very, very good advice. I was in no rush to take the Westmead job. I'm delighted that I have it. But I made sure that all the years that I wasn't uh, managing or coaching with me, that I was getting good experience. Uh, and I was, I'm was, i delighted that I got that experience because you definitely need it when you when you when you take over a county.
1: Yeah, so some of the experience obviously Paddy was good experience, but he would have been from the Miko Dwyer school where the game has changed so much in fairness since 2004, but you would have got great experience then with Rory Gallagher, I'm sure up in Donegal you were with selected for him for 2 years.
2: Yeah. Um Paddy was brilliant, you know, great man uh, and Tomás was with him as well back in those days. Um Paddy was a great motivator, yeah. you know, on learned so much from being around Paul. He was with him for two years. Previously with with Luke Dempsey for three years, part of his management team as well. And then uh, when I was with Donegal, with Rory and the lads up in Donegal, tactically then just my eyes were kind of opened up and uh, learned an awful lot tactically about the game in Donegal, which was was, a great benefit to me.
1: So would that be from a defensive point of view? Tactically, obviously, with Rory, we all know the way he likes to set teams
2: up. Yeah, yeah. Um, Defensively, uh, tactically, in terms of setting up against opposition teams, um, how to, you know, expose weaknesses in the opposition team. But definitely thinking of the game more of a. zonal type of 15 man game rather than individual battles all over the pitch if that makes sense
1: yeah yeah no I suppose and that's kind of where the game maybe was starting to change from 2004 I see that game from whenever the Paddy documentary was on and I was just looking at it and I was yeah. thinking jeez <laughs> the marking was so loose back in 2004 it was like it was weird even seeing it You're, we've moved on so far from from then it was just so easy to get scores it seemed
2: yeah, there's a lot of space in the, in, yeah. in back lines back then. and um, There's probably much more emphasis on retaining possession and keeping possession nowadays rather than just letting the ball off into the forward line and so on. Um, I suppose the level of sports science or coaching, the amount of coaching input now, the whole has changed immensely over the last number of years, I think. You even look at inter-county setups now, there's a massive emphasis on coaching, and it's not just... A, a, a county manager or a club ma- team manager just doing everything there's a there's a whole load of expertise involved as well
1: yeah no, that's it And so on your backroom team you brought in pa- Pascal kellehan who's highly rated did you rob him from Tipperary or had he left uh, the Tipperary setup up because you worked with him in road obviously
2: yeah yeah a couple of years there with, with Pascal in road yeah and we you know we, we've similar outlook on the game Um and he was, yeah. He was. He got a year under his belt in Zipperary with Lean Turns last year, and uh, he became available. And I was the first one to ring him. I was on. The, I was. I was on the phone to him pretty quickly as soon as he became available, because we worked very well, you know. And this is our. This is probably our fourth year nearly working together now, which is good.
1: Yeah, because he he's a he's highly rated. With he was one with Monster Evan, and then he's one with Road, and then he's been with Tipperary. Like, does he do you devise the game plan together, or does he do the coaching, or do you stand back? Because I know from talking to managers these days that you almost can't get distracted by the coaching side of it. You have to keep an eye on all the different coaches and almost manage them.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah There's different styles. I, I, I'm kind of hands on myself, but myself and Pascal would. Share a lot of us on the pitch, uh, and then we have um, Cahal Mullen, yeah, you know, ex goalkeeper. He he he's part of the management team as well. He played in goals for Westmead for years, so he, he's he's on board as a goalkeeping coach. And then we've Declan Gormer as well, and Declan does a lot of the organising and administration and planning, uh, which is a very very important role. And then we have uh, SLC coach John Angle there from Wolfhound Fitness and Muningar. Uh, himself in case they, they look after the nutrition part of it and all the S&C and the fitness. So it, we don't, we don't have it. We don't, I and mean, we Thomas Mount then um, performance analyst, which is another key part of it. And then you've kit men. So it, it's it's a small enough group management group, but uh, like everybody's busy and everybody has a job to do, which is good. So everybody feels part of it and uh, participate and. Um, Participating in in the workload and everything, you know.
1: Yeah, so like, I mean, it is a big it is a big commitment, and it's uh, there's nearly not enough hours in the week, I'm sure, to be keeping on top of all. Because then, obviously, there's the preparation and getting footage from the other teams and different managers trying yeah. to trying to wheel and deal amongst each other and get vi- <laughs> yeah. get get videos of the opposition.
2: Yeah, the, the league the league the league is very very enjoyable. It's been very enjoyable for us, obviously, because we 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 uh, we got promoted and we got a nice run of games. But it's very intense in that the games are rolling over very quick and yeah. it's preview, review, and so on and so forth. But it's very enjoyable. I right? it's it's as close as you get to full-time coaching or you know in that kind of uh, professional environment. You know because. Yeah. Of, happening so quick it's great to be honest
1: yeah no it is and like I mean the the leash match coming up now you've got seven weeks to prepare for that so I, d- I don't know yeah. I think both teams wanted to win that it was a division a division three final it was a Croke Park final I'm sure you yeah. ce- sure celebrated the win and everything like you should have
2: yeah well it kind of it, for us it was a really really good end to the league um, and certainly it's the end of that competition yeah, and we, we we celebrated it, and um, it was important that the lads, and we, we allowed the lads celebrate the victories, which is which is key. And uh, now we our minds and our focus is now going to shift towards the championship. We we'll give the lads a few days off this week, uh, and we we'll give them a break then in the middle of April, and then we we'll get we we'll get uh, straight down into championship preparations. Then
1: that's the thing. Are you playing championship in Westmeath, or are you just playing league games? So.
2: Just, just league games yeah so all the, all the lads will go back to the clubs now and play play um, whatever games are lined up for the clubs the Championship doesn't start in Westmead until July mid mid or late July so okay. um, yeah that's what it is
1: right ok well listen I'll let you go here I've taken up enough of your time I'm not going to wish you best of luck in the Championship because we're tired of losing <laughs> we're tired of losing to Westmead at this stage but uh, we'd, like, we'd
2: like one more we'd <laughs> like one more now. that'll be nice
1: fair play Jack thanks very much for taking the call
2: no problem, Tom. Take care of yourself.
0: The best bit of advice he gave me back then was: he, we were in the Glen Royal on a night out, and he, I'd never met him before. and He put his arm around me and he said, "You won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me." I said, "All right, well, okay." It's <laughs> great advice. Yeah, it was <laughs> for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. OK, so Paddy Power performance of the weekend, Conan, and let's be honest, there's not a huge amount of nominations for this because I didn't see too many um, outstanding players on the field on Saturday. Like we were saying at the start of the show, it was poor enough fair. Stephen Attride, I think, was Leisha's best player and we know how good he is. Um, he's one of the best players that we have he can play anywhere into the back line and he made some great interceptions and there was a bit of urgency about him mm. you know what I mean which I didn't see enough of from en- enough, leash play- uh, enough of the leash players yeah when he won the ball he was always driving out driving yeah. out and don't t- why are they not all driving out like that <laughs> yeah. like, should that not be a prerequisite um, when you get the ball you run as fast as you can with it, <laughs> and, you give it and, and you give it to someone else then who's also running as fast <laughs> as he possibly can and he breaks through yeah. a tackle and he'll give it to another one who's also running as fast as he possibly can <laughs> how is it the, there's so much jogging around with the ball I know the tactics kind of promote that a little bit but Christ the bit of urgency that Atroyd shows is just like this lad's at championship pace here yeah. everyone else wasn't the rest of them are waiting for Brodie to come running out as fast as he can <laughs> Brody runs as fast yeah. as he can and look at the injection he puts in any attack that's it yeah always be at your bloody f- your best pace yeah you know and no. doing things at a very high uh, intensity level
0: Atrade was one of the, the least players that I had a bit of sympathy for because he was just he was great he didn't deserve to lose It um, was on Lachlan who has had a good league campaign putting up some big big scores but it just put him in his back pocket and yeah, he cleaned had him such out. an impact driving
1: it yeah so Bodo Saye, he was excellent uh, Westmead cornerback he was on Paul Catalan now Catalan had a good uh, goal chance and yeah if you know Paul Catalan as well as I do scoring goals is is his bread and butter he is as good a finisher he'd be up in around with MJ Tierney and you know right. Bino and these fellas who were the best finishers I would have kind of played against so to see him rounding the goalie and not tipping it into That's an empty weird. net it was so weird but uh, Saye got the pro- you know marked him very tight got a black card um, 50-50 black card to be honest with you and Leash made a bit of hay when he was gone um, that was just after half time was that James, Do- yeah, James so Dolan the one came
0: he got uh, his black card at the very end of the first half so he was
1: out for 10 minutes and he came back on and say he got and the back and he went then the straight away so it's when Dolan went off Leach got the 3 points but he did really well and he's a good player and he's strong and he's just a typical sticky corner back that nobody's going to get an easy day off yeah he's got the near hand tackle down there, T oh, as yeah. well
0: like you know, no real stupid fouls or anything um, yeah and like I liked him because he was sort of he was on Catalan for all of it but he was willing to firefight elsewhere he went after all other players when there was more danger like you know
1: yeah no, that's, that's actually a good point he yeah. did actually he's no he's not I've marked fellas who are man markers and have no interest in the play he's selfless in that he's also trying to help out like, yeah. he's not just because the easiest thing for a man marker to do is lads you're on your own I've got I'm, my man. I'm taking this lad he's scoreless I play well yeah that's it and they don't care what's happening the rest of the game like yeah. you know
0: I got my man so it was you
1: sorted out you know whereas this guy was actually just going wherever he was needed yeah I think Ronan O'Toole played well he scored two fairly spectacular um, points one anyways that was right in front of me if you remember Ronan O'Toole he played centre forward for St. Lomans the day in Leash against Moorfield when they got absolutely ransacked by, <laughs> by Moorfield at the very end he got man of the match because when man of the match was <laughs> being awarded <laughs> Lomans looked home and home uh, like it was bizarre but he scored a few spectacular left footed points that day and I remember looking at him that day thinking this lad is real intercounty material and he's made it onto the Intercounty and played well um, the last day so like I mean he is deserving of a mention how did he look on television I, I'm, I'm always interested in the in the
0: balls of somebody they wind up on outside bit from the wing in crew Park just like that was like the replay of that looked amazing as well because it went from right behind him and just showed it come right. off his foot and it was perfect no he looked really good they had sort of between him and Egan and Hessen Basically that was the sort of three that were really on it yeah. on the day and Lockham was sort of obviously well wrapped up but you
1: know, he was one of the three that were hurting Leach. Yeah, the performance of the weekend has to go to Westmead captain Jerry Egan. He scored 1-7, he got 1-3 from play. Um, his goal was of very top quality. He's very good, he's very accurate player. He's obviously on the freeze ahead of Hesklin, which is fair enough because John uh, didn't commit to the panel straight away. Um, he's very accurate off freeze he's very good from his from his bad side he's well able to score you know whipping them back across his body but in general he's just a stocky top quality player but he has been for a good few years I think he's played some games at midfield he's a real all-rounder and he's probably found a home for himself um, he's kind of winged forward for them a little bit but yeah. like, I mean he's a real leader now and he's stood up Um, to kind of, you know, be the main man and take over that mantle and Heslin's just chipping in kind of as another forward. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't realise how... How mobile Egan was! I thought he was just accurate and really strong,
0: but like he took Dylan for a couple of like you know real runs there. One he hand passed over the bar; he probably could have got a goal out of. But he yeah. just created that from the forty-five and just a bit of skill and pace, and just
1: sort of always knowing what's around him. Like he seemed to be able to hurt him from whatever he wanted to do. Yeah, no, he definitely could. And like I mean, in fairness to Westmead, when you've got Egan, when you've got O'Toole, when you've got Heslin when you've got then Martin. And I, I, although I have to say about Martin, now I'm a fan of Martins. <laughs> But I think Martin as a wing forward, he played wing forward against Leash and Tullamore. There is a huge opportunity because of his laziness to or or Jerry Egan's not the captain, is Kevin Martin's the captain, is he? I think Kevin Martin somebody said Kevin Martin was the captain. But anyways, his laziness out round the field is a huge um, is a huge opportunity for Leash to take advantage of it. Also from Westmead if I was to critique them James Dolan playing as a conservative sweeper does not help them at all Mm. because he's excellent going forward he's their best attacking option from the defence and he didn't look like he had a huge amount of licence to go forward because he didn't really attack or hurt Leash at all and like I mean if you're Leash um, supporter, and you're saying James Dolan's going to s- s- just yeah. sit in front of the thing? You'd be like, Jesus, that's fantastic! That's great news. Yeah, because he's
0: one of the players that you would, if you really you'd be setting up to try and contain. Yeah, because you're worried about what James Dolan yeah. can do to you. Um, yeah. yeah, like it does. It does seem a bit of a a bit of a waste, to be honest. Um, but maybe like, you know, when he went off, and I think at least he got five points overall in that period when he was off maybe choose that he was doing something yeah. there. and know. maybe
1: there is a bit of the Mark McHugh about him although Mark, Jim, Mark McHugh went forward a little bit but maybe putting that uh, I don't know more of a footballer as your sweeper like he obviously was part of the Donegal backroom team although Mark, maybe Mark McHugh was gone out of that role he was by 2015 Mark McHugh had lost it at that mm. stage as the sweeper because yeah. he just stopped kicking and it The game him. had lost it <laughs> The yeah. game had completely lost it so that's it Jerry, again I think is well deserving of his performance of the weekend so congratulations to him Right listen that's all we've time for we'll be back on Thursday with another show so we'll talk to you then Good luck
0: It took
2: me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to now to, uh, focus on getting back to their county jerseys.
0: But these fellas get such a f-ing shit shop next Saturday evening that we'll put
1: them back in their asses for 10 years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high profile contributors, check out news.pattypower.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues